Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Sometimes as Paul traveled around the world, he needed lots of friends. And Paul might have known this. Look at this verse, Proverbs 27. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I don't only need people to have fun with, to hang with, to connect with, but we need people to help us to run this race of life. For a long time, people have been told that friends aren't needed. You can do everything by yourself that you need to do. Other people are merely for your use as a stepping stone to achieve your goals. Unsurprisingly, surveys say that people are lonelier than ever before. Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the Apostle Paul and his experiences in the city of Corinth you'll hear that even this mighty man of God got discouraged and lonely and that God cared about him and brought people around to be his friend. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as he continues his introduction to this book. So even though he arrived discouraged, God will immediately begin to encourage him. And I just want to speak to you because you'll see encouragement from God in many ways. People, problems, practical solutions is God's encouragement. Now back to Acts chapter 18, verse 2. When Paul came, what happened? There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome and Paul went to see them. At Corinth, Paul immediately, God directed, formed a friendship with this couple. Now there's debates as to whether they were already believers or weren't believers. I would lean more that they were believers not just Jews, but they were believers in Christ. Again, Claudius had them exiled out, got rid of all the religious people. And I think they were probably already believers and probably came from Rome where a church already existed. Now, this friendship would continue actually through Paul's life. God knows in our lives when we're disappointed how to keep us encouraged. And I want you to write this because As we go through, there's lots of wonderful things about people in this book. Here's the next thing you want to write. People, friends, can encourage us. See, circumstance, people can discourage us. You understand that. Paul was discouraged. Those people in Athens didn't listen to his teaching. Very few. But he comes and God arranges a couple. People, 
and friends. And we talk to you about connecting all the time. It's interesting. The Jewish Talmud says this. A man without companions is like a left hand without the right. It's like the left hand without the right. The Bible is filled with these practical helps. Many people complain to us today, well, they have no friends. Well, if that's true, I have a verse for you. This is encouragement. I'm smiling to you. Here's what I want you to write. I don't want to hear your excuses. I'm going to give you the Bible's answer. Here it is. You must be a friend if you want to have friends. Okay? You say, well, I didn't want to hear that. That's why I smiled at you. Pastor Mark, how do you know that's true? Proverbs 18. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So you have to go out of your way if you're going to establish those friendships. And we hear that. Understand, big church, sometimes difficult to do that. But actually, it's 100 times easier because there's so many people. You can just find one and ask God to direct you. And when you're going to be a friend, you want to be a giver. And you don't want to be a taker. It's not long if you're a taker. You won't have friends. Because all you do is want to take from them instead of give. Focus on being that friend rather than out looking for friends. Invite people. Take them out to dinner to a restaurant or something. Spend time together with them. By the way, if you're going to be friends with people, it's good to be fun with people. One of the things, the word I use a lot, you hear all the way through this teaching, encourage. It's very important that you and I encourage one another as friends. Because life is tough. Life is very difficult. Now, turn just for a second back to Romans Keep your finger right there because we'll be right back. Romans chapter 16. I want you to see what kind of friends they were. Paul didn't really know who they were. It was lonely in the ministry. Quite often he'd have a Timothy or Titus or one of the other guys with him. In this particular case, he came to Corinth alone. Now look toward the end of his life. We kind of hear Paul writing some different things. Watch what he writes in verse 3. Now greet Priscilla... And Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, they risk their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. It's obvious that these two stuck with Paul through all kinds of things. I mean, they risk their life for him. Now that's a friend. To be honest, that's the kind of friends we all want. But let me just reverse it. That's the kind of friend... I want to be. I want to be there for people. Not a, you've heard it, fickle friend. You don't want to be a fickle. You you want to be there. Friends that you can call anytime, any place, any, to come and help you. Great, that's one of the great benefits of this church or any church that has lots of friendly people is to be connected to those friends. When I was doing this teaching, I was thinking of our friends way back before we even had a Calvary Chapel. We had just moved here, and my wife was delivering, and I can't remember which kid it was or whatever, but we called our friends. I think it was like 2.30 in the morning, because she woke me up and said, the water's broke. I said, okay, get in the car. Here we go. And we called our friends like 2 or 3 in the morning. Had to be the second one, because we had to leave our son. We had to leave our son there. And so they were out there, ready, 2.30 in the morning. Now that's a friend. (laughs) See, and that's what you want. You want to be there. For people just like you need to be there, and they have been for you. Pay them back. Now, sometimes as Paul traveled around the world, he needed lots of friends. And 
Paul might have known this. Look at this verse, Proverbs 27. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. I don't only need people to have fun with, to hang with, to connect with. But we need people to help us to run this race of life. We need people that can lovingly confront us. I've needed that all my life. I'll still need it. Now, quite often, it's our spouse. We help each other with those things. But sometimes it's guy speaking to a guy or a gal to a gal, a friend. That's just a friend's way of taking care of us. Why would they do that? Because they love you. Again, you want to speak the truth of love in Ephesians 4.15. You want to do that, but you want to speak it. Now, that means that sometimes when a friend tells you the truth, what's it going to do? It's going to hurt. But it's not going to harm you. It's going to be good for you. It's a great thing to understand. So when you see Paul, he comes in discouraged, but immediately God gives him these people that are going to hang with him. Linda and I have so many wonderful friends in leadership and other pastors and their wives and whatever. You know, that just just huge support for us. And for all the pastors, and you guys as well. It's just a huge support to us. So I want you to write this down and think about your friendships. Are you an encourager? Are you reaching out? Are you connecting? Do you have some new friends? Are you making sure that you're connected? Friends help us grow spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. I need that balance in my life, and that's why God's put people around us. Jesus loved to be around people, and he did that. For a reason. Now go back to Acts chapter 18, verse 3. And because he was a tent maker, as they were, just another coincidence from God, right? No. He stayed and he worked with them. By the way, this is a picture of church planning, in case you don't know. This is the way this church was started. Most church plans other than some of the video campuses that we've been able to do. Most church plants start with a pastor, starting with a small home group. We had many home groups when we were married on before we came. And then you just work a full-time job. And that's the way this church did. I worked more than two years full-time while we started the church, and then part-time for another year, year and a half. And we had one part-time employee for the like first three years, and we were like five or 600 people already. I was preaching three times a week and still working. I did that because... I felt called to do it. I had a job that I could do that with, and God honored it. Our kids were grown, so it wasn't so difficult. Linda helped me to do all that. And so as we saved money doing all that, that helped us get the church started. Now, it doesn't mean you have to do that for three years like we did. We were just fortunate to do that. But what is Paul doing here? Paul's simply starting a church, and what's he doing? He's working. See, a lot of people come out, well, I'm out of Bible college. Now I'm ready to start a church. Who's going to fund me? Paul would have never agreed with that. Pastor Chuck started the same way. And so that's the way we do it. By the way, I had many people during those years say to me, Pastor Mark, after we watched you, we knew that you knew what a hard day's work was. So it really made us feel a part of the church. Anybody here know what a hard day's work is? (laughs) Absolutely. Because see, some of you don't think pastors work at all. It's just like nothing to it. Another vacation. We won't even go there. It's a great custom in the Jewish trades. Jewish fathers would teach their son a trade. If they were going to be rabbis, they had to have a trade. So Paul's trade was what? Tent making. And that helped him support that ministry. So I know this sounds crazy to you, 
But many people think work is actually a bad four-letter word. But that's not true. Paul worked. He worked at the ministry, and he worked making tents. It was a blessing. God gave Adam work before there was sin. Some of you are going to have to repent of the things you said. It's a gift to be able to work. Now, here's what I want you to write. Working keeps us encouraged, healthy, and mentally sharp. I've been reading recently more and more from all kinds of varied magazines that people who retire and don't have any kind of work, some kind of uh, ministry or hobby, or, or they're really doing things, working out in the community with people, it affects them terribly. They die young, they get old quicker, they're not sharp, and they're always complaining about stuff. I want you to think, that, that's because God made us to do that. And so our society is a little different, and it, it has actually hurt us. It, and these articles, over and over again, here's what they say. It eventually will affect you socially, mentally, and emotionally, just negatively. So it doesn't mean you have to work full time, but you should be active and doing something, just sitting around, whatever, watching the television, Lord, help us. No wonder it hurts you spiritually. All right, now look at verse four. Every Sabbath, so he worked, but every Sabbath, where'd he go? He preached. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, so they came to join them, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, now this is interesting, I don't have time to develop it, I want you to think about it. Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, Paul really goes back to an Old Testament verse to talk about that. Paul goes to the Jews. He liked to do that. He preached the validity of Christ. And what did that do for him as a Jew sharing with the Jews? I want you to write this because it does the same thing for you. Jew, Gentile, doesn't matter. Being able to share the good news encourages us and fulfills us. That's what you and I were designed to do. It's the mission of Jesus. And if we don't do it, it doesn't encourage us. We're not responsible, as you'll see, we're not responsible for the outcome. That, can, that only comes from the Holy Spirit speaking to people's heart. But we're, we're made to do that. Remember, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. How did Paul know the gospel was the power of God? Because he was the changed man. Again, back to his own personal testimony. Satan loves to discourage us. And this was discouraging to Paul. Because as you're going to see, he has to leave the synagogue because the Jews just will not listen. So Paul says to them, I was responsible to give you the gospel. I've done it. Now it's on your heads. It comes back to Ezekiel 33. The Jews, they would have to bear the full responsibility for rejecting the gospel. Now, if I don't share with the people God puts in my life, then I bear that responsibility because I haven't gone to them. That's why we want to go into all the world. That's why we do all our missions. That's why we do adopt a verse. That's why we're doing all these things. So that we can say, you want to accept Christ. Now look at verse 7. 
I love this. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Justice, a worshiper of God. Paul simply moved on to the Gentiles. Now, why did Paul do this? Well, because of this. The three priorities in life, let's see if you remember them. God, people, and what? The use of our time. So why did he move next door? He was speaking the word of God. He was speaking it to the Jews. Why did he move next door? Because it became, in essence, what? A waste of of time. Nobody's listening. They're actually condemning him, blaspheming him. So there comes a time, Jesus said it when he sent out the Torah, remember? You go to a town, and after you go in there, they don't receive you. Shake the dust off and go on to the next town. That's exactly what Paul does. So there's a point when we have to understand how valuable our time is. Pastor Dave and I were just talking about with a lot of different things we do in lots of different ministries. As elders and leadership, we're trying to evaluate. Okay, those are good. Is that the best use of our time? And we're always trying to do that. I'm always trying to do that. Lots of good things. Tons of good things. Is it a God thing? Which means then it's the best use of my time. So it's not just whatever. That's exactly what Paul does. By the way, where was Paul's boat? He just rode next door. Am I right? He didn't put it on the shore. Well, I'm giving up. No, he just rode next door. Kept on with it. Verse 8. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, this is an encouragement to Paul, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. So what does God do to encourage Paul? The leader of the synagogue. Paul's thinking, nobody got it. When he moves next door, Crispus leaves his position. I mean, it's not like a little simple thing. It's not like moving to First Baptist. This is a huge change. He and his whole family. What does God do? He's honoring them. See, his word never returns what? It doesn't never return void. So whatever difficulty you're in, don't get discouraged. God knows how to encourage. So he honors Paul's determination. And this had to really encourage him. Verse 9. Now one night, this is going to speak to many of you because you're fearful of all kinds of things. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in the city. Now, why was Paul fearful? You say, well, Pastor Mark, was he fearful? Well, sure he was fearful because if he wasn't fearful, God wouldn't have said, don't be afraid. Here's what the whole deal was. Usually when Paul came to a new town, before long, where was he? In prison. That was a normal thing. So he's thinking, okay, it's starting to happen. Gentiles are coming to the Lord. I kind of know what's coming next. And what does God say to him? No, this time while you're here, this next year and a half, no problem. Don't be fearful. I've got it under control, and there's lots of people. Paul simply needed to be encouraged. God knows how to encourage us, and of course, he encouraged him supernaturally. God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but we're human. 
We're people. We have problems. I think what's very good is he doesn't condemn Paul. He just simply encourages him. Paul, there's nothing to fear. Now, some of you are here because you have issues. There's money problems. There's a job problem. There's a, there's a teenager problem. There's a marriage problem. There's a you name it. And I want you to be encouraged because I think God is speaking right to you. Write this down. And then you allow the Lord to give you a spiritual vision yourself that this is for you. God's encouragement, my presence, he says to Paul, and my protection are there for you. God's going to protect that situation. His presence is with you. He's never left you. He's the great comforter. Quit listening to the lies of Satan. Quit listening. Paul, what's Paul doing? Paul's looking ahead and going, okay, there's a jail coming. I know it's coming. It's never, it's going to come. And all God's saying is, Paul, quit looking ahead. You're going to be fine. Just hang right here. So I don't know what the situation is tonight, but God wants to speak encouragement to you. Quit looking at the past, all that history. God was going to do a new thing in Paul's life at this particular place. Now, maybe you're dealing with a person and it's discouraging you. Just be encouraged. God is speaking to you. Don't be afraid. Some of you are afraid to share your faith because of persecution. No, we're going to have to be more bold than ever. Our world is very bold. We're going to have to be bold. Not rash, but we're going to have to be bold. So don't be afraid. Some of you are just silent. No, speak up. Speak out for God. Now, verse 11. So Paul stayed for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. God gave Paul a special promise, so he continues for 18 months in the city. Now, what was his focus during those months? It's the powerful word of God. The message of Jesus, as we go through, he'll talk about the sanctity of marriage, no division, everybody's equal. Make sure that you understand that you're going to be responsible for what you do. There's a reaping coming. You sow, you will reap. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about the second coming of the Lord. He talks about friendship all the way through it. Here's the last thing I want you to write. God's word is simply filled with encouragement and hope. One of the things I try to do, and I try to teach the pastors, is to make sure that when we're teaching, no matter the subject, no matter where we're at, a person can walk out with hope. See, there's always hope with God. Hope is simply looking forward. It's always looking forward with expectation. It's looking forward with expectation. Remember when we were in Philippians, too many people, they drive their car. You, you wouldn't drive your car looking in the rearview mirror. Only if you're backing up, right? If you're going forward and you're going to do that, on Wickham, especially down here, ain't going to happen. You should, you should be looking forward. Today, Pastor Mark continued teaching about friends, friendships, and what the Bible has to say about these things. You heard about the importance of having friends to help you think through things and help put things in proper perspective. You also found out that if you want to have quality friends, that the Bible says you have to be a quality friend yourself. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian, and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. 
For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This wraps up Pastor Mark's introduction to the book of 1 Corinthians. He'll begin talking about the church in the city of Corinth and some of the problems they were having. You'll hear about their struggles and about some of the solutions God gave them through Paul. You'll be told about the different types of wisdom that are available to you. Which type is the most useful? Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a herd